0: Welcome to the Website Coach Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners that want a winning website, one that attracts more visitors and helps them book more clients. I'm Marie Brown, a website designer and business strategist, and I'll be sharing simple and actionable tips to help you create a winning website. So let's get started. I'm very much a forward-looking person. What has happened has happened. You can't change it, but you can learn from it. And that is one key reason why it's worth looking back at your business over the last year. It's why I do it. Oh, and also, I am a bit of a data geek. Just this week, I sat down and looked back over the past year and where my paying clients have come from. It's been eye-opening because it is not necessarily tied in with where my efforts have been. In today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to look back over my year Let you know what stats I've looked at and what that means. What you can learn from it too. Now, you don't need me to tell you that 2021 has been a year like no other. Well, except for maybe 2020. And I hope, as I think we all do, that it won't be repeated. Come on, 2022 has got to be better, hasn't it? The lockdown at the start of 2021 impacted my business. Like many of my clients, I had children at home in the first quarter of the year, doing online school. Now, I'm fortunate that my children are teenagers and pretty self-sufficient. I didn't need to sit with them, helping them with their work. I mean, my son's in the sixth form, and my maths, physics and chemistry knowledge, just wouldn't be much use anyway. I think both my children overtook me at primary school. And I'm lucky, because they could also make their own lunch. Hello. Tidying up afterwards seemed to be beyond their skill set. But overall, I was still able to work pretty much as normal. But many of my clients weren't. Many of my clients are mums. And their focus, quite rightly, was on homeschooling their children and serving their clients rather than a brand new website or doing something else that would move their business forward. And getting branding photos taken during lockdown was also an issue that delayed a number of website builds. And the result, for me, was it took longer to gather what was needed to build websites in the first few months of the year. There was also some slowdown in inquiries at the beginning of the year. Completely understandable given everything going on in people's lives. Now, even beyond lockdown, life was hard for clients throughout the year. And website projects got delayed beyond lockdown by children being kept at home due to coughs and colds, sent home because of bubbles, and indeed, several of my clients got COVID too. And websites take a backseat when you're dealing with life. I get that. Nonetheless, I still built more websites this year than in previous years. And given the year we've had, I'm pretty proud of that. Several websites I built were larger or more complex than most. I added memberships, online courses and downloadable PDFs for clients so they could move more online and or scale. Because my business is all about helping my clients with theirs. Now, beyond revenue, one of my goals this year was to start to build a team of freelancers who could help expand my offer. Now, I didn't quite manage to do that to the extent I wanted. I guess I'm blaming, uh lockdown and other events, but I did work with others on a couple of website projects, particularly with regard to systems. Clients often assume I can integrate anything tech-related, and whilst I can usually work it out if I haven't used that piece of software before, being able to work with other experts means I can focus on what I do really well. I did start working with a new graduate this year, Amelia graduated in the summer with a degree in graphic design and I've been training her to design and build websites. Our skills are very complementary and it's good to have someone else to bounce ideas around with. That's a partnership I want to continue. Not all website design projects went smoothly this year. Tech glitches, I hate them. They can be so stressful. I put one website live and there were some smallish glitches. Nothing that really anybody who was viewing the website would necessarily know. There were a couple of things that didn't display quite as they should do. And it took eight hours of painstakingly recreating part of it, step by step, to find the problem, which was a glitch. It wasn't an error on my part. And again, there were delays to projects caused by lockdown, COVID, and just life. Clients changed their minds. That's allowed but it can have knock-on implications. Some projects were bigger than I anticipated, and I didn't always price that in. I suspect I earned less than the minimum wage on at least one website project this year. I enjoyed working with most clients, but I did find one or two a bit more challenging. Every time I have a client experience I don't enjoy, I do think about what I can do to avoid it in future. This has led to me increasing the deposit I take, limiting revisions on website bills and strengthening my contract. I'm also learning to recognize the red flags. Those things which suggest that the client and I might not be best suited. Other highlights this year were improvements to my own processes. I've got a new questionnaire I ask new clients to complete which really helps me to understand them and their business and design a website that really works for them. I've also streamlined some of my website building, so I'm more efficient than before. And of course, I launched this podcast. That's a real highlight of the year. It was later than the year than I had planned, but it was also a lot more effort than I anticipated. I think it's worth sitting down with a cup of tea, or a glass of mulled wine at this time of year, or something stronger, thinking about the highs and lows of the year before looking at any numbers. How did lockdown and ongoing disruptions due to COVID affect your business? What went well during the year? What didn't go so well? What can you learn from that? Then you can get analytical about it. Yes, I love this bit. (laughs) Seriously, though, it doesn't need to be difficult. And you might be surprised at what you learn. It can really help to understand what to do next year, where to focus your efforts, because none of us have all the time in the world. I'm gonna take you through what I looked at and what I learned as a result. There are lots of indicators you can look at. Some of them require external tools. I'm a big fan of Google Analytics, which provides you with stats for your website. And obviously there's social media stats too. But the best stats don't need any equipment whatsoever, any software tools. They're from your bank account, paying clients. So the first thing is to look at where your revenue came from in terms of the different products or services you offer. And for me, bespoke websites account for most of my revenue. I'm going to come on to where that revenue comes from because, or where those clients come from because it's useful to think about how to increase this even more next year. Because a 10% increase in the service that generates most of your revenue is going to give you a lot more revenue than a 10% increase in any other area. That's just basic maths. Next is revenue generated from existing clients. Almost all of my clients sign up to my website care plan, which generates a regular income for me and takes care of hosting and all tech related issues for them. But across the year I get asked to make changes to websites, adding memberships, courses, amending websites to reflect new product offerings, etc. This generates income. Now. I could offer additional services to this group. In fact, I plan to win the new year. And it's definitely worth considering how much revenue you get from previous clients, as well as how you might be able to increase that, because this is a community of people who already know, like, and trust you. Masterclasses, off-the-shelf website templates, website reviews, and power hours, and affiliate commission make up the remainder of my revenue. Interestingly... Oh, I thought so at least, is that whilst I have replays of the masterclasses for sale on my website, I get very few sales of these. Most people prefer to buy a live class, even though some know they can't make it and will watch it on replay. I'm just not sure I get why people would do that, but they won't actually buy it after the event. Hey-ho. So the next thing is to think about where the clients come that generate that revenue. So for me, I look at the bespoke websites as these make up the majority of my re- revenue and indeed they feed on to the ongoing clients. And for 2021, I looked at every client who paid me a deposit or whose website I completed in the year and where they came from. If you don't already, it's worth asking clients how they found you. I ask when someone books an initial call with me. It's actually on the form where they tell me their name, website, etc. So I don't even have to remember to ask. Of course, it's not always clear-cut. Some clients may find you exist through one channel, but they might be prompted to book as a result of another. and Sometimes they just can't remember. So, to the extent I have the data, where do my bespoke one-to-one clients come from? Taking number one spot is referrals. By this, I mean someone recommended me directly. And of course, in order to get to this point, you do actually need to have some clients. So I appreciate that in your first year of business, referrals is a bit more tricky. And while I'm fortunate to have quite a few clients recommend me, which I'm very grateful for, there are a couple who have recommended me several times. And the nature of their business means they deal a lot with other business owners. And if, like me, a small number of your clients, refer a large number of new clients, then it's worth thinking about how you can get more clients like those original ones. Number two spot is networking. Now I must admit I was surprised to see this at number two because I'm not a member of any business groups like BNI which are sales focused. I am a member of several local groups which I joined for the community, meeting other women in business as well as training or skills. And I've also been a member of a number of online groups of business owners, which are also intended to be about community and skills. But it's the local ones where i physically met people that have provided clients. Online groups, and I'm talking about paid business groups, not the multitude of free ones here, have been less fruitful from a getting new clients point of view. Now, I do just want to clarify that I don't go into these groups to pitch my services It's the relationships that build up which have led to the clients, though. And I guess it's easier to build up those relationships in a smaller group where you're physically able to meet people than in a larger group online. Number three is where it starts to get a bit fuzzy. Number three is being recommended in local Facebook groups where I'm a member. And there are two in particular, both local mum groups with a membership of around 10,000 each people will often ask for a website designer recommendation. Now, some of my clients haven't actually asked the question themselves in this group, but they've got in contact after seeing me recommended on those kind of posts. And I'm fortunate I get recommended a lot, and I'm very grateful for it. I get recommended by existing clients, but I also get recommended by others I regularly work with, copywriters, photographers, etc., and indeed people in my networks who know me. Now, you could argue that this really falls into referrals or into networking, but I have given it its own category. And I don't class this as social media either, because it doesn't come about due to my efforts on social media, at least beyond belonging to these groups. Joint number three is good old Google. People who type something into Google and find me as a result. Now, I was going to say, I'm not always certain what they've typed into Google to find me. In fact, I just don't know. Because whenever I ask anybody, the response is, I don't know how I found you on Google. It was just through Google. But it does show that my SEO efforts are working. And actually, interestingly about this group of people who find me this way, is I find I don't get a huge number of inquiries. But those that do inquire, there is a very high conversion rate. And finally, number five. Can you guess what that is? It's social media, in particular Instagram. These are people who find me due to my activity on Instagram, either by hashtags, on reels, or searching. I'm not aware that my LinkedIn efforts, which admittedly is sporadic, or activity on my Facebook page have led to bookings this year. In fact, I've given little attention to my Facebook page, as I just don't think it's worth it now. Instagram is my main social media channel. And to be honest, it's disappointing to see it so far down the list given the effort I put in. And the particularly interesting aspect of all of this is that my marketing efforts are different to my results. I definitely spend more time promoting myself on social media than on any of the other sources. I wonder what would happen if I spent half the time on social media and put the rest of that time into joining another local networking group and on SEO. It's very easy to get sucked into the social media machine. Those quick hits of likes and comments make us think we're getting somewhere. But likes don't necessarily equate to revenue. Now, I'm not going to abandon social media, and I don't suggest you do either, as being visible keeps you in mind, and it also helps potential clients to get to know, like, and trust you. But I think it is worth thinking about how much time you spend on there and the direct client revenue you get. Is it giving you a good return on your investment? Or should you spend less time and or money on social media and more on something else? Despite asking clients where they found me, I found it difficult to pin down where a number of particular clients had found me. And I think for most of those, they've stumbled across me somewhere and then they have started following me on social media before buying. As well as looking at where I found each of my clients, I also give thought to where I found my best clients. Now, I love all my clients equally, of course, (laughs) but some have proven to be more profitable than others and some have been easier. And sometimes it's worth thinking about whether there's any pattern to where they've come from. In any event, I definitely encourage you to take a look at the revenue in the business and see where it comes from. It does take a bit of time to look at where the revenue in your business comes from and where the most profitable clients come from in particular. I found I just had to make a list of all of the clients from this year and manually go through each. Some I could remember, but others I had to go back and look at their forms. And it does take a while. Actually, to be fair, I think it only took me a little over an hour. And I think that's time really well spent. Because armed with this information and knowing the amount of time you spend on each source means you can think about whether you're putting your efforts into the most profitable places or whether you should rebalance it, investing more time in areas that generate more revenue and less in areas that are less profitable. Because... That is the point of gathering this data, to use that information to improve your business going forward. I'd love to know if you do this exercise and what you've learned from it. Has the revenue come from the source you expected it to? Has it come from the area you invest most time in? So please send me an email or a DM on Instagram and let me know. I'd love to know. And that's it for this week. See you next week.